0: I just love our church. Sacrificial, you've been in your labor and uh, focused on the right things. I want to talk a little bit about that today. But first, I want to talk about something that you probably haven't heard about. That is, did you know we had an election? We did, we did. Yeah. I've been, I've been thinking a lot about this, and uh, you know, one of the things that we've tried to do is to make sure that unity is enhanced, that we focus on the, the right things, and I know that there are strong feelings. There are people right now that are mourning and grieving, and there are others that are elated in our body, in our society, in this town. It's just fact. I'm not here to tell you what side I'm on. It doesn't matter. I'm not here to communicate anything from a political spectrum. Other than there is another perspective I want us to think through on this, okay? Um, and not that I am <laughs> telling you how to think, but just I, I want to I encourage you. We serve an unchanging God. And you know, I was thinking of the words that Paul would write, the things he'd encourage the church to do with authorities, and they had a government system and leaders that were much more evil than what we see right now. That's a fact, okay? The things that, they, that he communicated were not one of rebellion, uh, but it was one of praying for their leaders, which we'll, we'll get into here. Um, In a second. The other thing is that, you know, we have 195 countries in the world right now. We've had, you know, hundreds or thousands before that. We really don't know for sure. You try to look it up how many countries have been in the history of the world, and nobody seems to have a real firm number, but there have been a lot, and many that have not uh, survived, right? And so I don't think God just has his finger on America. I think he has his finger on the world. I think he loves the world. I think he loves people in Bolivia, and Guatemala, and Saudi Arabia just as much as he does in America. And, and so he's concerned about those things. And, and I don't know that God is so much concerned about the political machinery of each of those places as he is that people in those countries learn to worship him, look to him, seek him. So... Here's some scriptures I want us to look at. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge and to those who have understanding. You know, we love that verse when the guy, you know, that we don't want is out of office. He removes kings. And then we don't like that verse when it's a guy we Wanted in an office, and then he's no longer there. But I'm here to tell you that stands true no matter who's in office. All right. Next is that who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? This is Isaiah. And marked off the heavens with a span, and closed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales, and the hills in a balance. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord, or what man shows him his counsel? "'Whom did he consult and who made him understand? "'Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge "'and showed him the way of understanding? "'Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket "'and are accounted as the dust on the scales. "'Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. "'Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, "'nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. "'All the nations are as nothing before him. "'They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness.' To whom then will you liken God, or what likeness compare with him? An idol? A craftsman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts it for silver chains. He he who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them. And they wither and the tempest carries them off. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might. And because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Listen. There is consternation within families. There's consternation in my own family. I don't agree with everybody in my family about the political spectrum. Okay? So I'm here to say as a church, and make sure that when we communicate to one another, we're leading with love. We're leading with humility. We're leading with the sovereignty of God. So, what is our responsibility in all of this? Let's look. First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. This is what we're to do. This is how. We approach it. Now, peaceful, quiet, godly, dignified. Um, That's a lot to chew on. It's a lot to ask ourselves in how we are approaching this whole situation. And how can I be peaceful? Not because of what I see out there. I can be peaceful because I know God is in control. He's the sovereign Lord. And so, um, I hope that encourages you. And uh, if you're mad at me, sorry. That, I think, is what the word is on this because ultimately we as a church answer to him in terms of, of, of each of our hearts. And so I hope that uh, that will bring us into into union with what the Lord wants for us, all right? So Lord, guide us, help us as we... Um, uh, Seek out this unity, and Lord, I know that there are, there are people who uh, want the church to do this or that. There are people who want their friends to do this or that uh, when it comes to a political spectrum, and they don't understand how somebody can see it this way or that way. Um, but Father, maybe we be unified on the gospel. Maybe we work together and serve together on the gospel. Where we've been prideful and arrogant, may we repent. Where we've not been quiet, where we have selfishly held to our own agendas and we have caused division in families and in the church, may we repent. And may we come before you in a way that we can humbly approach others. Even in those, Lord, that I see, I have a moral objection to things they believe or do that I can humbly love. And so may we not be naive, but may we be wise as we approach these things. Help us as a church. And now as we open up your word and we look at our message today, uh, use it to work in each of our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Having been a Christian for several decades... And hearing a multitude of sermons on money. I cannot remember any context where that has not been just about, particularly when it's a series, not been about some need, some building program, there was some kind of motivation behind it. Not that that's bad or wrong, um, and I'm not saying the Bible doesn't um, include such references for particular needs, but I. I don't think it's the whole story, okay? Um, it is why the story of Israel building a sanctuary stands out as kind of an anomaly in those situations. Here's what it says. And they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work of the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him freewill offerings every morning so that all the craftsmen who were doing um every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task that he was doing, and said to Moses, the people bring so much more than enough for doing the work of the Lord, that the Lord has commanded us. So Moses gave command, and the word was proclaimed throughout the camp, let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing more, from giving (laughs) that's a passage that no church in the middle of a building program has ever spoken about. (laughs) Stop giving. (laughs) We have enough. You know how? When everybody gives with their whole heart. We have enough when the project is completed, whatever it is. It's not that needs stop. It's not that stewardship ceases, it seems that there's a time in which we can sit back and celebrate, even rest, and say, look what God has done. Amen. In fact, there was a passage in First Chronicles. Um, they had a giant celebration for how God had provided for his people. And it says this, And they offered sacrifices to the Lord on the next day, offered burnt offerings to the Lord, 1,000 bulls, 1,000 rams, 1,000 lambs, and with their drink offerings and sacrifices in abundance for all Israel. And they ate and drank before the Lord on that day with gladness. So today we're gonna bring in the kegs and the barbecue. So let's, no. But this was the spirit of things. They were... They were celebrating and thankful for what God had done. Amen. Then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly, for with a whole heart they had offered freely to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. I love that God wants his people to celebrate. I love that he gives us permission to do that, wants us to do that. Um, We're still in the midst of COVID, we're not done with it. And there's still people living with great anxiety right now. And not just with money, but there's great social unrest. And there's division in our culture on multiple fronts, okay? You know, you have people celebrating, stick it in your face, and then others grieving. And the other side is gleeful. and you know it's a it's an issue but I just want to say that it's worth celebrating ultimately that God is continuing to do a work in his people. And I know many feel like giving up for a variety of reasons. But God has chosen to meet needs through you in our community. Um in in a way that it's kind of been at a speed not done before. And God has chosen to give this glowing report from finances that, frankly, blows us out of the water when we consider what we were thinking in March. We're like, you know, Katie, bar the door. Are we even going to have a church at the end of the year? We didn't know. But God has chosen to do wonderful things through you. And so this is a time to celebrate. It's a time to say thank you. It's a time to thank the Lord for his work in our hearts in serving and in giving. We have a choice. I can choose to fixate on the problems, and there are many problems. I'm not suggesting we put our head in the sand. But if I sit 24-7 and I think about the racial division and I think about the political division And I see the number of pastors that are now quitting at a greater rate than when I can ever remember. And I look at all that and I'm just sitting there pondering and I'm like, without any other perspective, you know, you know what? I think I'd rather just be a greeter at Walmart, okay? (laughs) But that's not my perspective. And I'm not denying that those things are taking place. And I'm not suggesting that. I think that there are things we can do in those regards in providing unity, addressing the race issue. And you know my heart. These are things that I think we have to address from a gospel perspective. But I have a choice to allow those things to be preeminent or have something else from the Lord be preeminent in my heart. Because in every season of humanity, there have been problems, have there not? And uh, do, how many of you remember hiding under your desk? Anybody here hiding under your desk in preparation for a nuclear attack? You ever seen any pictures for that? Yeah, yeah. The fear, okay? The fear of Communism versus democracy. Do you remember all of that? The Cold War? Every season has had its problems, and we have a choice. And again, I'm not denying, I'm not saying it didn't exist, I'm not saying it wasn't important, I'm not saying there weren't things that we could do, I'm just saying that's not the only problem, that's not the only fact in the room, and that we have a God who is sovereign. And I would rather focus on that and let that be my lead and let that dictate my heart and my thinking in the midst of all this other stuff. Okay. Not yet, it's not over yet, all right. <laughs> um, and our celebration, listen, for our giving and what God has done through you is not because of the ingenuity of our leaders or how hard people have worked Although that is all true, and you all have done that, and I'm very, very appreciative of that. But listen to this both riches and honor come from you, Lord, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise you, uh, your your glorious name. But who am I? And what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you and of your own have we given you for we are strangers before you and sojourners as all our fathers were our days on the earth are like a shadow and there is no abiding oh Lord our Lord all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own so there's no doubt that all that God has done is his work and we thank him ultimately. I'm thankful for you, but I know God has worked in your heart to make that happen. You know, it's hard work to have unity in a family. You know that? And there's some of you right now that have disunity in your family, and you're holding bitterness and, and, and great anxiety against family members, and it's wrong, and it's sin, and you need to repent, you need to make that right, just like you need to do in the church, because you've had some things come in between the relationship. Now there are times in which you need to protect your family, right? Now there are times where maybe uh, abuse happens in a family, and you have to protect your kids. I get all that, I'm not talking about that. But I'm just saying, we, it takes hard work to reconcile And we get lazy about it. We think that my issue is more important. My political position is more important than my relationship with you. And what I'm saying is that's sin. And so we need to work hard on having the relationship and reconciling and humbling ourselves. Hmm. I'm just saying there can be no doubt that God has been at work. Been at work in our body and in, in, you may feel it's fractured. You may feel, you know, it's real tense, but there's still unity. And we have to stay at that task. Um, and he's the one that's provided all that. And I just, I'm just thankful to God that we still exist Amen. and that there's unity and that, we're, and that we're striving to see his kingdom move on. And he's the one that deserves the praise. So I thank you, Lord, for your goodness. And to you, Christ Community Church, I want to say this. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. But their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and your generosity of your contribution for them and for all the saints. And then I add this from Proverbs. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. So for the future, this is what I want to be true of us. You shall give to him freely, and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him, because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. You know, this, this church, through God's work, has given—I I haven't added all this up. I know it's well over $100,000 over the years to—hundreds uh, of thousands of dollars over the years—to um, orphanages in Bolivia, children enslaved in Kenya, refugees from Syria, and school-aged children right in our church. And we had needs presented about Guatemala today. And, and I hope that not one of those cards are left standing when we leave this place, that everyone takes that and says, you know what, I've got 45 bucks I can give a month to one of those kids. I hope that's the case. But here's the deal. The needs go marching on, right? And, it, and as a pastor, I want you to know, I feel the heaviness of this because the, 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 I feel as if so many needs. And we, listen, do you know how many people call us wanting to come before you and wanting to make a pitch? because they need money for this or that. And we have to say no to a lot of people because we don't want there to be compassion fatigue in you that we present so many needs. And so we're, we're, we try to be selective in that because this is a generous body. This is an incredible body. And you, you see the need, you want to you wanna fill it. And I, and I so much appreciate that. But we cannot meet every need. But we're going to continue to be stretched. Our faith is going to be challenged. And we're going to continue to sacrifice because our reward is not temporary or earthly. It's eternal and heavenly. And listen, if you want to sit back and enjoy the show on Sunday as a spectator and watch the professionals do the job, you have come to the wrong church because that's not us. We are all ministers. We all play a part. We're all participants in the kingdom of God. And we're not apologizing or backing away from trying to achieve our goal of of challenging us for more sacrifice. And here's the deal. When we do that, we know there's gonna be duty, sweat, joy, and that's all part of the glorious journey. And so we welcome that. Martin Luther astutely observed there are three conversions necessary, the conversion of the heart, conversion of the mind, and conversion of the purse. Apparently men carried purses then and so uh. Hugh Martin said If a man's religion does not affect his use of money, that man's religion is vain. Matthew says this, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. We could say it this way. Every checkbook is a theological document. It says something. About how, what you think of money and what you think of God. It tells us, tells you and God where your treasure is. And by the way, I don't know what anybody gives. I never want to know, okay? Because I want to be able to minister to everybody as equally as possible, right? But what it says in your checkbook will tell you where your treasure is and what value you put on eternity. So we give to invest in things that do not rust, right? And part of discipleship here at CCC is grooming a generation of stewards who live out God's priorities, not just with money, but with your time, with your relationships. The fact is, money tells more about ourselves and probably what we care to to know what it tells. Um, But isn't that passage in Matthew so powerful? And it's powerful because it's so simple. Think of it, that we have the ability to give the, and, and enjoy the best investment opportunity known to any human being. You have the best investment opportunity for any human being, okay? We are not ready to give you a Bitcoin scheme, okay? Okay? This is not some future venture into quantum computing or synthetic biology, all right? This makes an IPO into Microsoft and Apple look like beans on a bad burrito, okay? We are storing up resources, time, money, relationships and service into trillions and trillions and trillions of years of reward. Think about that. That's amazing. How can anything on earth possibly compare with that? Wow. John Piper in his book Desiring God said this, We can be content with simplicity because the deepest, most satisfying delights God gave us through creation are free gifts from nature and from loving relationships with people. After your basic needs are met, accumulated money begins to diminish your capacity for these pleasures rather than increase them. Buying things contributes absolutely nothing to the heart's capacity for joy. There's a deep difference between the temporary thrill of a new toy and a homecoming hug from a devoted friend. Who do you think has the deepest, most satisfying joy in life? The man who pays for a 40th floor suite downtown and spends his evening in the half-lit smoke-filled lounge impressing strange women with cocktails? Or the man who chooses the Motel 6 by a vacant lot of sunflowers and spends his evening watching the sunset and writing a love letter to his wife. And I like that. What I want to say to you is thank you for going after those simple things and understanding that and making sacrifices for that. As long as I'm alive, I'm going to go to this church <laughs> because I know that's your hearts. And I, I just cannot even thank you enough for how you have expressed that this year. So thank you for your sacrifices. Thank you for your steady stewardship that allows us to minister to those less fortunate. And as we look forward to bigger, newer challenges, I want us to be able to again look back and see God at work, to see his kingdom expand. Amen? That's what we're here to do.